we're all more closely attuned to our own faults and shortcomings than everyone else's. And if you realize that, you know, everybody has faults and shortcomings. I mean, if you could be the CEO of the biggest company in the world, and frankly, you can't have all the skills of everyone in your company. Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats. This is Marcy Bullock, the creator of a podcast which helps college students who are seeking a fulfilling, healthy, and successful work and personal life. This season, we are focusing on versions of you, who you were, who you are, and who you will be. Enjoy. Hello, Wolfpack fans. Today, I have John Gordon, the CEO of Umi, helping professionals and companies build their futures. Hello, John. Hey, Marcy. How are you? We are wonderful here at Wolfpack Land, and we are excited that you are joining us today. If you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself in the context of who you were, who you are, and who you will be. Sure. Happy to do that. So as you said, my name is John Gordon. I'm the founder and CEO of Humi. And Marcy, you get a gold star for pronouncing that correctly. So Humi is our company. Um, Our company is trying to help professionals basically answer the question to figure out what's next in your career. Once you start your career and get a job, well, you're probably going to work for 45 more years, 90,000 hours. What are you going to do next? And what's going to drive you to do that? What was I? I was probably like many of the people listening to this. I graduated from school and just jumped into my career, but wasn't exactly sure where it was going. And I learned, and where I am now is, you know, how to help both people and companies be very intentional and proactive about how they spend their time so that they can make their careers really rewarding and meaningful to them regardless of what your goals are. We don't have to have the same goals, but I love for people to put effort into, you know, really be proactive and achieve them. And who I will be, well, geez, I don't know. I hope that, uh, you know, over time as we build this out, we'll help every working person be more proactive and intentional with their, their careers. So that's a little bit about where I'm coming from. This is fantastic, John. And as you know, I teach some classes on this whole idea of what will people do next. And so we are kindred spirits in that we both care about that. And you mentioned that you didn't know what you were going to do. How did you stumble into this? A little bit more about your journey. Yeah, well, you know, the journey's never one that you quite understand at the beginning. Uh, I finished school, Marcy, with a philosophy degree and a computer applications degree. So, if you know, that is, and I went through math and music and physics and psychology on the way to get there, right? So for all of you who are still trying to figure out what you're doing coming through school, that that happens to many of us. Uh, I grew up in the tech industry. I worked at IBM for a long time. And what I realized I really enjoyed doing was helping, you know, great, big, iconic global companies like IBM figure out what their next chapter was going to be. Uh, And so I didn't get there right away. I sort of stumbled into that after doing a lot of different jobs. I ended up in one of them. I loved it. I love taking great, hardworking people in the company and helping lead them to do something that set the future of the company. So uh, after doing that at IBM, I did it a couple of times at General Electric, at Bose, and then at Lenovo. And then I realized the same things that help people launch a company forward is actually you know, what helps an individual drive their career forward. So you know, I sort of got to that point through a little bit of trial and error but I realized that all the people around me who were kind of progressing their careers were being more intentional. And so it's something that I learned how to do. And now I try to pass on to others. This idea of being intentional is so important, but also keeping an open mind to 
not even understanding what jobs would be out there in five years that you don't have to have it all figured out. I really love that you stumbled because many of our students, I think, are in that realm where they feel like everyone else knows what they're going to do and they're the only one that doesn't. Talk a little bit more about uncertainty and advice you have for people who are experiencing that. Yeah, it's a, it's one that basically everyone has, right? Because we're all unique. Our skills are different. Our experiences are different. And it's just not possible to even understand what all the possible jobs are out there for you. So I always give people three points of advice. Uh, the first one is around defining your options. So you might remember when you're taking tests in school, uh, for many of us, the multiple choice tests were easier than the open-ended essay tests. I love to encourage people to write down multiple options. In fact, at any point in your career, you should think about at least three things you might do next uh, and have those options in front of you. Uh, the second thing is for those options, really work on building your story, your experiences. You've talked before in other podcasts, Marcy, about translatable skills, I think was your, uh, was your term. Um, but how do you actually have experiences that other people will want? Because you can build experiences in your current job to make you ready for your next job. So just kind of playing ahead helps. And then the last one is engaging your network. Uh, because as you mentioned, you, you don't have enough visibility to all the possibilities. But people who know you sometimes have broader experience. So if you can ask people, ask people who know you, hey, what do you think I should consider for doing next? it really helps open up your thinking. I, one story, uh, I had a, a woman who was working with us who was sort of in her mid-career. She was a finance manager, single mom, first in her family to go to college and have a professional job. She could only see her path forward as getting a promotion to the next level of middle management in her career. And she asked her network and someone said to her, hey, you should try to become the CFO of a growth division. And she had, she had never imagined that she had the skills and experience to do that. Well, long story short, she turned her story behind that and positioned herself to be a CFO. And within three or four months, I think she tripled her income or something like that, Marcy. Like it was phenomenal and life-changing, but it took someone to help recognize in her the possibility that she had that she couldn't see for herself. That's really interesting. Why do you think it is that we don't see it in ourselves, this potential of what's next? Well, you know, it's a mix of, uh, you know, being limited by our perspectives, right? We grew up in certain areas. We had family and friends who worked in certain industries and jobs. And so you sort of don't know what all the other ones are. So the lack of exposure can be one area. But I think the second one is we're all more closely attuned to our own faults and shortcomings than everyone else is. And if you realize that, you know, everybody has faults and shortcomings. I mean, if you could be the CEO of the biggest company in the world. And frankly, you can't have all the skills of everyone in your company. So it doesn't mean you need to know how to do everything. You just need to know how to do the things that that job requires and then be comfortable leveraging your teams and your peers and other people in the company to achieve that mission overall. So I think a combination of getting more awareness and then being able to look past our own faults and recognize that that's just what makes us unique. It is not a stumbling block. That's so true. And I know that you focus on what to do next, which I think is so important versus a language I used to use was, what are you going to be when you grow up? And people heard that term from the time they were preschoolers and came up with an answer. 
but we know people are going to change their minds. So talk a little bit more about how long people are in the workforce and how many different paths can they have? Is it just oh, yeah. a gold, gold watch after 50 years? I don't think so. Uh, right, right. Well, you know, I think it's really interesting because, you know, folks like yourself and the whole group at the NC State, you know, Career Center, you do an amazing job launching everyone's career. And, you know, what, what maybe people don't think about because they're so focused on getting their first job is, you know, most of us will work from the time we're maybe 22 leaving college until we're, what, 67? That's 45 years, 2,000 hours a year. That's 90,000 hours. It Ooh. is the, it's the biggest intentional thing you will do for your life. You will probably breathe more and you will sleep more. But beyond that, work is the biggest, including the time when you're a baby and the time you're retired. You still do more at work. So, you know, there's a lot of people who will just let that time go by. And, and what I want to encourage people to do is be intentional about it. And, you know, Marcy, what I'd say is this is a big change from college, right? Because as you know from college, every semester, someone tells you it's time to pick your classes. It's time to register for your major. You have to sign up for housing. You it's all sort of driven for you. Well, once you leave, no one again will tell you it's time to think about if you're doing the right job for you. And so it takes it upon yourself to say, how am I going to you know, look at it, be proactive and say, what could I be doing? Is this the best? And the answer could be you're doing the right thing for you at this time. It doesn't have to mean changing, but just being intentional and proactive about it. If you don't set up the habits to do that, decades of work will go by without you having a chance to really examine if you're getting the most meaning and value out of it for yourself. You keep saying intentional and I keep underlining it and putting it in bold, all caps in my brain because it's so important. And I know you have developed a free tool that people can use. Like you said, we launch them out and then they get out there and what happens when they're in that next change. You have a, a tool that we will link up in our show notes and you have some success stories from folks that have used this free tool. Will you share a little bit about some lives that were changed? Sure. Yeah, happy to. So uh, I launched Humi.com with the team. That's a free online self-guided career development tool. And basically, I had learned a lot from working at these big companies and working for CEOs of big Fortune 100, 200 companies. How were people driving their careers? And so I mentored I don't know, to say hundreds of people would be hyperbole, but I probably mentored 100 people. And a lot of them were able to take charge of their careers and really end up in great, great places for themselves. So what I wanted to do is I can't meet with that many people. We tried to turn that into a platform that shares the best practices, the questions, the ability for you to define multiple paths forward, because you know we believe people have more potential than just one thing. And we want them to be able to explore that online before they pick where they're actually going to go. You actually don't have to pick your choice when you're deciding what stories to prepare. You only pick your choice of where to go when you accept a job offer. So it's okay to have multiple, if you're fishing, multiple lines in the water for different types of jobs and then pick at the end. So people that it's helped, uh, let's see, well, one story that be be related here. Actually, this was a um, uh, UNC MBA student. So you know, maybe the Wolfpack team will, will never have this kind of situation. But uh, the gentleman didn't have a job coming out of MBA school, followed the process to really target some of his options, really build his story about him. You have another podcast saying that the uh, job description is your sort of guide on what you should talk about. He really positioned his strengths for the specific job, uh, landed a new job, was really happy about it. 
However, because he had been using the Humi process, he started thinking about what could he do next. And so while working at this job, he was building his stories, building his experience, networking outside. Uh, he ended up getting promoted at that job. So you're like, great, this is a, a new move. Within two weeks of getting promoted, Marcy, he got laid off. The whole division got laid off. And this will happen to some of us. You're doing everything right. You're getting promoted. People love you. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. The division gets laid off. Well, because he had already been building his plans with Humi for where he'd go next, he had a network. He had other people that knew about him. And he landed another job within two weeks. So in a span of a handful of months, he had gotten two promotions. And then he pocketed a severance check, which allowed him to put a deposit on his first house. And I just thought... Seeing all that go through in one path, he texted me and said, John, I just got laid off and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So I just love stories about people being intentional, keeping their options in front of them, and then they're not being reactive when something bad happens. They are already two steps ahead. That's really inspiring, John. And I know that makes you feel so gratified to know you're making this impact on people. Because like you said, it has nothing to do with their performance, why they got laid off. It's not based on merit. But sometimes, especially now in the tech industry, we're seeing people, I know a friend of mine is waiting for the end of this month, I guess Facebook is laying more people off this month. And to think more about potential, like you said, then it's not just one thing. For example, you were a philosophy major. Did you ever dream you'd be doing this now? Yeah, absolutely not, right? <laughs> I, I definitely didn't think this is where I was going to be going, uh, you know, at some point. But I think that as people start to see you and people recognize things in you, a lot of times people will grow their careers because someone will ask them, are you interested in this job? And by the way, that's a great thing, and you should always consider that. But actually, I'd encourage you to reverse that process and say, what could I be doing? Instead of saying, are you interested in this when someone comes to you, say, what could I be doing? And even ask some people that know you on your inner circle, what could you see me doing? What should I consider? And that's a good way to get options. And, and then the second part, as you build options, and uh, Marcy, you've talked about building relationships in some of your other podcasts. I would suggest that the further on you go in your career, the more job opportunities come from relationships and not from, you know, sending a resume into Indeed or some other place. And so what I'd encourage you to do is if you if you decide there's a job you might be interested in, reach out to people from your Wolfpack alumni network, right? Reach out to people that are in your second degree on LinkedIn and just say, I'm interested in getting my career to that space. You've had a great career. Could you just share with me the top three things that you think I should be showcasing right, that would help me get ready? It just opens up a dialogue. And uh, you know, this week alone, I've had two recruiters reach out to me to take on jobs. And, and because I'm not looking for a job, I give them to other people. So if you're top of mind with people in the network, when they hear about jobs, they'll send them your way. And it's just a great way to keep your options open and be proactive. That's really interesting that people are seeking you out. You're not even looking. And I've heard a lot of people say that I never looked for a job because they had so many relationships built. And you use this phrase inner circle about your second point, which was engage your network. What are some of your insider insights on how to build that inner circle? How does that happen for someone right out of school? Yeah, it's a great question. And so I like to encourage people to think about their network in two dimensions. The inner circle are people who really know you. 
for me, that's, you know, former bosses, it can be family members, it can be classmates, but someone who knows me because what they have a better insight on that others won't is what's the kind of work that gets me excited, right? They know when I'm, you know, telling them stories and I seem upbeat about things, they know me. Uh, and so I look between work, school, family, friends, people that know you, but that you respect in the areas you might be interested in. They, they've got good advice. The second level, your second degree, I consider your extended network. And that might mean anybody who went to NC State will probably engage with you because you're also part of the NC State family, right? Part of the pack. If you can reach out to them, you can ask them factual questions. What do you think the top three things are? What's it like to work at your company? None of those are about you because they don't know you. And so on Humi, we actually have a whole tab that you can manage that network and track your notes of conversations you've had with people so you can follow them through. But, but leverage both and use them in different ways. Uh, one, to get insights about what's good for you and those people have to know you and others to get good insights about companies or jobs or successes or even to have access to, as I mentioned, those opportunities before they're even posted. So if you think about it in those two dimensions, uh, you can probably start to build your network in a very proactive way. I like that. The, the really close to the vest folks that may be related to you or people you've known many years in more of a deep relationship, like that boss that you really trusted. And then people that are part of a network related to your university, that's also really helpful. And we'll link up to our Ask the Pack database so listeners have access to that as well. Let's go back to your second point, target your stories. Can you illuminate more about how to target a story maybe with an example? Sure. Uh, so an interesting area, people will turn their resumes into their personal biographies. And, you know, the unfortunate part about that is, uh, sadly, and this is sad, most hiring managers don't really care about your biography. They simply want to know if you can solve the problem or do the job that they want. Uh, I, I tell a story. Sometimes I was, uh, I was trying to hang a picture the other day, and I needed a level. And if uh, I had asked someone, do you have a level? If you brought me a level, you would have been my hero, and I would have listened to anything you had to say after that. But if you came and started telling me you were a toolkit, and here was all of your power saws and screwdrivers, like, listen, I'm holding this picture up. I just need a level. Please find me one. I would have thrown it away. It's like that with jobs. The first thing you want to be is what the hiring manager wants. You can be more interesting after you get through the first few areas and show them all the great benefits, but think about your resume and what you hand in is what they want. It is your demonstration that you are the best fit for that job. And so as an example of my last job, I led a division at Lenovo. And if I apply to lead another division as a general manager, people care about numbers. So I might really highlight that my team delivered 235% of their targets and it was across this global area. That's what they care about. If I want to be a consultant, I would highlight that I used a proven four-stage methodology that I've applied across four different companies uh, when I did this in Lenovo and how it worked. And if I want to be maybe a chief strategy officer, I would talk about repositioning the company's assets from this like crowded competitive market into a brand new blue ocean. Same job, but what people will care about is different points depending upon what I'm going to do next. So I always encourage people, you can't change your job history as in what companies you worked at in your titles, but you can definitely change the experiences you highlight and talk about in different circumstances. 
Ooh, that's so important because you have customized it to that audience and you're speaking their language. The level is such a great example of that. It's like, no, I don't need a hammer. This picture right. needs to be straight. So as we think about all of these things related to any of our listeners who are trying to build these stories, are there any particular in-demand things students should be trying to do to really stand out from the pack? Yeah, I, I look, I think a really important one is uh, people will hire you for your experiences. And you'd like to think that they like look at your potential and they see what could you do. And that might happen a little more in the very early years. But as you continue to go out, uh, the real question is, show me something you've done and find another company that wants you to do it again. And you know, I could try to draw a thread through mine. When I was at IBM, I launched solutions for a lot of different industries. GE had a lot of different industries across aviation and locomotion and power and energy, and they wanted someone who could work across them. So my IBM experience directly translated to GE. When I left GE and went to Bose, Bose wanted someone who had brought technology to a non-technology company. They saw GE as non-technology and they said, great, can you do that for us? And then when I went to Lenovo, Lenovo said, I want someone who's built a new business model for a consumer electronics company. And that's what they saw at Bose. So I couldn't have told you that was going to be how the dots connected at the beginning. But everyone just looks back one step and says, show me someone who's done a, an experience. And that's what they'll hire you for. So the more you go on in your career, your stories will matter. Uh, not just your education. And I'll leave one point on this one. Um, if you probably heard people ask you in an interview, tell me, uh, tell me about a time you did something, right? You've probably never heard someone say, tell me about 10 times you've done something. And so what's really valuable about that is once you have done a great experience at one of these, these uh, companies, your time or in your job, you've earned the value to go show it to someone else. After that, you can perfect it and get better but you're not increasing your stories that you can tell. That's so helpful. And as the last question, how do you get started without experience? You know, what's interesting is it's, it's such, a, such an interesting question of how you get started without experience. I think almost everybody has experience that they don't tap into. And so, you know, I always ask people as you go through Humi, so go to humi.com and create your career plans that are, that are free there start with what does the hiring manager want? And I, one more story of an early college grad. So she had only been out a couple of years. She had done jobs between high school and college. I think she had taught kindergarten. Uh, she had sold newspaper ads for a school paper. She had worked at a nursing home as an assistant. When she decided the job she wanted to go after, which was an HR recruiting team lead job further on, she defined what they needed. And some of it had to do with leading a broad group of people and meeting targets. Well, she went back through her history and said, I met targets as a sales newspaper person. I met targets when I uh, was trying to sell gym memberships. And I led people from kindergartners to people in a retirement home. So I can pull together this breadth of experience. So I actually, Marcy, I, I don't know that there are people without experience. They're just people who haven't thought about how to shape their experience into where they want to go.